Hello and welcome to Is Mayonnaise the Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Omar Lopez, and I'm here with Spring Boob Squarepin. Josh Emo. You like that? I did. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. I was going to bring that up later, so I'm glad that you did it now. Yep. That, what, that your name is Spring Boob? That I wanted to change Spring my name to that? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I support that. Could It could be a worse name. It could be like a name like, a like Josh. Or David. Oh, you, <laughs> Too deep. Um. Anyways, thanks. To everyone out there for giving us a listen, uh, this is our podcast where we watch classic SpongeBob episodes, find some nice little life lessons for everyone to learn, you know? And uh, I got big news, Josh. What's the big news? That was a... Li- how Sorry. about some excitement? I got What's big news. What's the big news? <laughs> I got big news, Josh. What's the big news, Omar? There you go. That was a lot better. We have officially completed one whole SpongeBob season. What did you get me? Oh, look That's at that. That's what I got you. <laughs> he bought, he bought, an, I bought air an air horn specifically for this occasion. I'm surprised he didn't ask about, me, ask about why I had it in my hand. Whoa. That's true. You know what's kind of weird, though? What? <gasps> I also bought an air wow. horn. Wow. We could have just put that in post, but. Oh, well. We'll just make it, <laughs> make it. Think. Anyways, it's getting too long. So uh, at the very end of the podcast, I have a very, very, very special announcement. So make even sure more you special stay... than that announcement? Yeah, even more special. Oh, wow. So if you guys thought that was special, you don't even know what special stay is. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah. So before we get to that announcement, let's first get into this episode where we check out season one, episode 20, Hookie and Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy 2. Act one, Hookie. We open up on the island above Bikini Bottom, and we quickly see that there are fishermen posted up outside of the island. And then we quickly cut to the Krusty Krab where Mr. Krabs barges in and freaks everyone out because he starts screaming about the hooks. And as soon as he's like talking about these hooks, everyone in the Krusty Krab kind of just ignores him except for good old SpongeBob. Mr. Krabs begins to warn him about these very scary, dangling, pleasing shapes and vibrant colors that then nab you by your britches and hoist you to the surface. And once you're up there, they cook you, eat you, or even worse, put you in a gift shop. So SpongeBob is immediately super afraid because he is a scaredy cat. And then we go later on in the day where he's in the kitchen. And Patrick comes to the Krusty Krab kitchen window and tells SpongeBob, you know, we need to go to the carnival. It's in town. SpongeBob ditches with Patrick, and they end up at this carnival, quote-unquote. And it's just a crap ton of hooks baited with cheese and other fancy things. Patrick, while he's there, just does not give two He's sitting on a hook, which is weird. He puts one in his mouth and, like, puts it all over his cheeks and and stuff. And he's just, like, generally being reckless. SpongeBob's like, no, 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 we can't. These, like, these are the hooks. He recognizes them. And then pretty much as he's figuring that out, Patrick gets hoisted up to the surface. SpongeBob starts freaking out, thinks Patrick is dead. And then Patrick gently floats all the way back down. So Patrick then convinces SpongeBob that it's okay to play on the hooks, and they start goofing off at the, on the hooks. But at the Krusty Krabs, Squidward is everything up as always because he can't cook to save his life. And Mr. Krabs finds out that SpongeBob has bailed and taken a break for the first time in forever. Mr. Krabs like, I'm going to track them down just based on smell alone, and finally finds them at the hooks, and he makes Patrick and SpongeBob do a sailor's promise so that way they never get on hooks again. The next day, SpongeBob is on the way to work where Patrick's like, I'm going to go play hooky. You should come with me. And SpongeBob's like, nah, kind of is like on the fence about it. And he's like, no, I'm going to go back. He immediately turns and there's a hook. And instead of just walking away, he decides to just take a little joyride before work. Sure enough, he gets snagged by his pants. And so he goes all the way to the Krusty Krabs to find Mr. Krabs for help. And sure enough, Mr. Krabs is there helping out Pearl and all her friends and giving them, you know, free goodies, a.k.a. water. And then he's, SpongeBob asks for help, and he's like, oh, you got hooked. I told you not to go near those hooks. The only way to get out of that is to take off your pants. SpongeBob's very embarrassed, and he doesn't want to do that because there's a group of uh, girls there. And then sure enough, finally gives in. 
and rips off his pants and it's in his underwear. Now he has to rip off his underwear in order to be free. So he decides against it and Mr. Krabs like, fine, I guess I'm going to have to find a new fry cook. And SpongeBob is being reeled in by the hook and he freaks out. He grabs onto the, the sign of the Krusty Krab and finally his underwear rips off. But because his underwear got stretched out so much, ends up slingshotting uh, Sponge first right into the window <laughs> of the Krusty Krabs, causing him to be really embarrassed that he runs home crying. And we realize that it was Squidward that was actually the one manning the fishing pole with the hook on it. And then we also see that Patrick ended up getting canned. The first thing that I that came to mind, Josh, is do you think, how do you feel about lying to people to teach them a lesson? I guess there's always the argument between like, is a white lie okay, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in this circumstance, I think it did teach SpongeBob a lesson. Um, but I think it depends, I don't know. That's really, it's really tough to be, to like morally say like whether or not it's good or not but i mean if the results are good i think it's okay and in this case i think it was an okay thing because spongebob did learn his lesson because to be fair like those hooks are super dangerous Mm -hmm. like him and patrick are being really really reckless like with their lives and stuff and so i think mr Krabs did the right thing by doing this lie in order to teach him a lesson the only thing that creeps me out about the whole lesson is the fact that he's basically shown his employee's penis or sponge genitalia (laughs) to his daughter, daughter and, and a group of uh, what you assume are high schoolers, unless this is like somehow in the future yeah. where she is of age. Maybe, hopefully they're all 18. If they're going to be flashed in the street, at least <laughs> they're not underage. That'd be horrible. I think it was important to bring up the fact that you, the first little lesson that you immediately run into is like you need to heed the warnings of others. Yeah. And it kind of like couples in with another thing where it's like you need to listen to your elders. Yep. Because, I mean... I I will I will admit I am one of the first people to be like, mm, old people don't know everything, but they do know some stuff. So you like any advice, you take it with a grain of salt. You see where it's coming from. You see what they're talking about. Kind of judge it for yourself and absorb it that way. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And that's something like similar. It's just like you, Mr. Krabs in this case is like he has experience and that he need like it's, SpongeBob and Patrick are younger. They should be able to heed those um, warnings that he has. And clearly it's something traumatic. Like he came in the Krusty Krab ranting and raving. Like he truly feels hurt by whatever he had experience with this hook, which like leads me to like kind of talk about like, what do you think happened? I know we've discussed in the past the whole, like how he ended with Pearl. I, I, I still like that theory the best. Cause there's like, it feels, it feels right that mm-hmm. Pearl's mother would have died somehow with the hook and like, Mr. Krabs had taken up the mantle of like dealing with Pearl mm-hmm. or raising Pearl. I shouldn't say dealing with Pearl. <laughs> I, I like to think that maybe he had run-ins at the past. And another thing is a lot of people don't realize that, you know, crabs can go on land too. And I find that it's very interesting that Mr. Krabs knows so much about the surface world Yeah, that he knows about gift shops. And then even talks about how they get canned into tuna and that the only thing that you can look forward to is the smell of mayonnaise. You have to live on the surface to know that, you know, people make tuna salad and yeah. tuna sandwiches and stuff like that. Maybe he witnessed a whaling incident, and that's how he saw Pearl. He was on land, and he witnessed them, like, catching a whale, killing a whale. And he's like, oh, this whale had a kid. I'm going to go take care of it. I could, I could believe that. I could believe that a lot. Yeah. Um, I also love how he gives that dude a wedgie. Yeah. <laughs> just, like, straight up, like, the dude just sucks all his <laughs> drink out. Yeah. Poor, poor Krusty Krab employee or uh, customers go through so much in every episode, it feels like I mean, the food must there. be worth it. It must be. Maybe it's like dinner and a show kind of thing. That's what they go for. Not just the Krusty Krabs. They but go for the drama. The Krabby Patties. Yeah, for the, the drama of it all. <laughs> um, I do think it's kind of funny, like, flat, like foreshadowing. You can talk about foreshadowing in different episodes, but in this one specifically, the first of the worst thing that could possibly happen is end up in a gift shop in the SpongeBob movie. That's exactly what happened to SpongeBob and Patrick is that they end up in a gift shop. I thought that's kind of cool. That was the, it's like foreshadowing. Yeah. What another thing that I want to bring up is when Patrick kind of does something dangerous and kind of just lives to tell the tale, it reminds me a lot of like other friends I've, I've had or met or even just random people that I've met where they're like, Oh yeah. Like, I did something really crazy. Like one time I did heroin just to try it or snorted cocaine or something like that. Cause you mm-hmm. run into people like that 
and or like even people who are like who speed or like driving 120 on a highway on like a busy highway and they like kind of like street racing and stuff like that so um for me it really stuck out and i related to it because i think that's something you see a lot is people getting away with something that is inherently dangerous but then being like no it's fine like i lived to tell the tale so you can do it too yeah and i mean it's coupled with like peer pressure but I guess it's more like an example. Like, cause I feel like most peer pressure in real life isn't like, Hey, you got to do this or you should do this or else blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. You know, you are mostly like seeing someone else do it and then kind of giving into peer pressure in that way where you're like, Oh, I have to, I have to jump on this hook to be cool. To be cool. Yeah. To fit in. And I definitely like feel like peer pressure is a big lesson in this episode. And especially with Patrick, I feel like Patrick we've seen more as being like a good friend. I feel like this is one of the first episodes that we see Patrick actually being like a very negative influence um, all around, like no matter what it is. Like he discredits Mr. Krabs. He and he even says, like, are you going to listen to a big dummy or are you going to have fun? Like he's even calling Mr. Krabs dumb for like giving them these warnings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like you got to be weary that you may have these like friends that may like do really nice things or do really good things. But sometimes that they if they're doing something dangerous, like, again, it's OK to be like. Nah, I don't want to be part of that. Don't fall into that peer pressure that that friend's trying to make you do. Because, like, in this case, like, SpongeBob could have died. <laughs> and, like, friends will peer pressure you no matter what, like, just unintentionally or intentionally. And I think it's just important to just think about your personal convictions and the promises you made to not only other people. Because, you know, they did that sailor's promise to uh, Mr. Krabs. And sure enough, it's, like, SpongeBob actually cared about that promise. Well, he even says like he he wants to show how loyal he is to Mr. Krabs later in the episode, and is like going to avoid the hooks. And again, it's Patrick who convinces him otherwise. He's like, "Oh, what are you going to go to work? Why you have all these hooks? We can go play. We can go play at the carnival again." And then that's how SpongeBob ends up getting caught, like mm -hmm. for the final time. Yeah, and like a, a a true friend will respect your wishes. So just remember that when you're when you're friend shopping. Yeah, friend shopping. <laughs> Yeah, you don't you don't get your friends on the internet like I do. Yeah. But I think it's also something to be said that I think SpongeBob needs to have more self control. Like we can blame a lot on Patrick for being crappy in this episode or being like really crappy with peer pressure. Um, but I think SpongeBob needs to learn how more self control. Like we think we've seen it throughout this um, season. Like he, there's certain times when he can't control himself. He just wants to have fun or he wants to do something reckless. We saw it with the karate episode um, when he was going to get fired and he still had to go and play or like do karate with Sandy. It's like having that self-control is really important and finding ways to maintain that self-control, I think, is even more important. Yeah. Because we all slip, but it's also how do you hold yourself to a higher caliber to make sure that you like punish yourself or not punish yourself, but make sure that you don't keep slipping over and over again. And I do like that SpongeBob immediately when he's in trouble, he goes to the person he he goes to the person who warned him. Yeah. He's not afraid to go to Mr. Krabs, even though he does have that moment where he's like kind of lying. And that brings me to like another lesson that I think a lot of us can implement is sometimes when you're, when you've messed up, we have a tendency to want to like lie to fix it or lie to cover it up even more. And sometimes it's just better to, you know, admit that you're lying or admit that something has happened and then, you know, dealing with the consequences instead of digging a deeper hole. Yeah, definitely. I think that's what I saw. Like this whole episode, I feel like is very much geared towards kids in a way that it talks about peer pressure or whatever in a very simple way. I mean, even the way that Patrick talks about, well, he didn't say you can't just jump on this and ride it like a horsey or whatever, right? Like it's something that a kid would do. It'd be like if mom and dad told you not to go play in the yard like well mom and dad didn't say you can't do this right or your mom and dad didn't you know it's a very mm -hmm. childish way but i think this is very much geared again towards adults in the way that peer pressure and like the whole hook thing is i think a reference to addiction too very much so and so like the longer you wait to solve these problems or run away from them or make lies and excuses to keep yourself stuck in these problems the worse it gets and we see that with spongebob he waited so long and like the worse and worse it got and like and towards the even towards the end with the solution of just pulling the hook out of his pants he could have just done that and just been naked turned around and walked home but instead he waited so long that he ended up being slammed against the crusty crab like full on nude like mm -hmm. it was the worst of all the situation cuz he possibly waited. becoming a sex offender possibly becoming a sex offender yes 
So don't <laughs> give in to your addictions or else you might become a sex And don't prolong the problem. Like, address it. Honestly, that is the quickest. And for me, a lot of problems can be solved by just straight up addressing them, dealing with them head on. And even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, it makes things a lot easier in the long run. Because if you let things build up and build up and build up, it's just going to be the same. It's going to explode all at once and then you're kind of stuck there dealing with all the issues and it's kind of and it's kind of funny like again how this episode it's like it says approaches it like as a very kid's standpoint like being naked is not that big a deal we can also look at it again with drugs and everything so it's kind of cool that no matter you look at it no matter how you what your problem is it's always better to address it early on like there isn't any problem too small or too big that isn't fall into those guidelines i think definitely you want some uh some fun facts? Let's do some fun facts. So in this episode, Mr. Krabs says that no one has taken a break at the Krusty Krab since the Chum Famine of 59. Before we dive more into the fun fact, let's talk about this Chum Famine. First of all, Chum is supposed to be fish, which makes me wonder why would the Krusty Krab be closed during the Chum Famine of 59? I think we talked about it before. I'm pretty sure that this, the Krusty Krab, or the Krabby Patties are made out of fish, mm-hmm. and that's why he keeps that secret formula so guarded and stuff. I think in the future they do, in future episodes, I'm trying to remember, I think they do reveal what Chum is actually made of. Because mm-hmm. Chum for them might be different than Chum for us. Again, I don't really buy into the whole narrative that Krusty, the Krusty Krab is feeding fish other fish. I don't know. But it we'll fits see. too well. So uh, another fun fact. When SpongeBob Fruit Snacks first came out, an advertisement for them featured the snacks acting out a part of this episode along with scenes from episodes of other Nicktoons, which I thought was just, if you guys remember those, I didn't. But um, <laughs> I'll think someone out there did. Another cool thing, just because I'm a, a film nerd, independent film stars John Lurie and Jim Jarmusch cameo as the fishermen so when you see the like the, the live fishermen reeling people in they're they're kind of famous in the film world so there you go nice those um, fishermen are pretty funny it was basically just like clip art yeah it was like <laughs> let's just put this in i thought even the beginning was kind of weird where they're like we'll see how the fishermen uh, how fishermen affect our undersea so friends yeah it was like that like documentary the kind of thing yeah, yeah the setup was weird yeah, and apparently there's a SpongeBob song called "Riding the Hook," which I've never heard before. Mm. So it's good to know. Okay, that's all I got for you, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. The funnest facts. The funnest of facts. I do like that we see how crappy of a fry cook Squidward is again, because we've established we talked about it in the past. We've seen how crappy he is, like yeah, when he catches bad. everything on fire in the bubble bass episode with the pickles. Um, but even this, they talk about it even more. He like fried the boot he like a boot that was fried or whatever and that's what he served as Krabby Patty I wonder if he does he ever get better because at some point we have seen him in the kitchen making Krabby Patties I think it might be like uh maybe he doesn't work well under stress no which is another thing that I saw like when Mr. Krabs leaves to go find Spongebob because he's taking a break or playing hooky he leaves Squidward all by himself to run the entire place when he's already like messing up I think it's like in a way Mr. Krabs is being a good friend trying to protect Spongebob I think but also he's being a bad manager, like leaving someone who clearly is not capable, capable in charge. And like the freaking mob starts picking up Squidward. Like I yeah, can't imagine how, jumped. yeah, can't imagine how it escalated from there. So one thing that I thought was crazy is like uh, Fred the fish is all like, my kids haven't eaten. I'm dying. Yeah. <laughs> he's, I was like, what? How long have you been there? <laughs> you that eaten? also reminded me of like those like people that you see at, in the line at like uh, stores, they're like, I've been waiting here forever. And it's like, they start complaining about the coupons not working and they just want to get the discounts as much as possible. Like, people just like blow up yeah, about get minimal uh, inconveniences. Um, one big thing that I think that you should learn from this episode is that nothing in life is free because Patrick's all like, free cheese. And he just gets all this free cheese. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. If you're getting it for free, you're paying somewhere else. It's true. Remember that. I have a question for you, Josh. Yeah. How many hooks does Patrick have in his mouth when he's like, this doesn't look dangerous? <laughs> is it eight? That was really close. How many but is it? Nine hooks. Nine hooks. And one in his hand, so okay. that's ten, I guess. That's yeah. impressive that he was able to do all that. I didn't see that in the fun facts, so I think they should add that. Or maybe I will. Maybe I'll maybe I still need to make an account. Contribute, yeah. Hook. Omar Lopez, <laughs> nine hooks in Patrick's mouth. Fun fact. <laughs> fun fact. 
and then I'll rename everything to Omar's Fun Fact Corner. It's really interesting. I think that SpongeBob freaks out about being nude in public because we've seen him multiple times, like with no problem taking off his pants. I mean, nature, nature, uh, the nature pants episode. He's mm-hmm. fine walking around naked throughout Bikini Bottom, like no problem at all. So I wonder if like this came before that, and this was a way for him to like. This was his awakening. He's like, I've already done it. I Get can body confidence. Yeah, body confidence. He's like, I already walking around naked before in bikini bottom. Like, who cares? It's fine. Maybe it's like uh, people who are no have no problem being naked in front of others, but only if it's like a choice that they've chosen. Does that make sense? That's true. So like you know, there's sometimes which is also just body aut- autonomy for a lot of people where it's like, well, it's my body. I get to decide when it's naked. Mm-hmm. So it could be a little bit of that. Maybe. I think maybe it was one of those traumatic experiences that maybe he's like, I dealt with it. Yeah. Now I can walk around naked. Now I can walk around naked. <laughs> now I'm a better I'm a better person. Good. But I'm a better sponge. A nude one and a fun one. I think Squidward had one of my favorite lines in this episode. Uh when uh Mr. Krabs is freaking out and everything. The customer that uh Mr. Squidward's helping out is like, Oh, can I take that order to go? And Squidward's like, You don't understand how lucky you are. I'm like, I don't know how many times I felt that way. Like, in any kind of situation, I'm just like, man, I really wish I could just go right now. I could just go home. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very, very exciting. And then he does the whole, like, wastebasket inspection where he just puts a trash can on his head. He's just, like, inspecting the inside of it to avoid Mr. Krabs. What I like is that he's like, oh, there's one. Yeah. What's in there? What is he? What did he see? Is he just, like, he's just looking at the inside or maybe it's, like, a piece of stuck gum. <laughs> also, at the beginning of this episode, SpongeBob's uh, swabbing the poop deck. With his body? With his body. Yeah. <laughs> With his body. I think that Mr. Krabs has one of the best lines in this episode because he's like, oh, like I'm hooked. And he's like, oh, it's in there pretty deep. Mm. And I was like, hey, that's what she said. That's just because you're a pervert. Well, we've already established that you're a pervert. So mm, I, I didn't think catch it's that. your Maybe you're influence. I don't know. I got that. I got the whole hook thing as a drug addiction thing. So I don't know. Mm. But yeah, whatever. that means you have a. Too adult of a mind. Yeah, this is a child. <laughs> this is a ch- children's show. You shouldn't be putting your your problems in a children's show. Uh, Next episode that we talk about my intervention. Yep. <laughs> Bonus episode intervention. I think we should take this time, as it is the very last episode of this season. We've been doing this for twenty weeks now. Isn't that crazy? Yikes! Kind of do a little reflection and like <laughs> see how we feel about doing this. A little bit of a personal take on podcasting scene. So how do you feel? I feel like I've wasted 20 weeks of my life. And that's it. Thank you, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> in the ber- in the best way. <laughs> in the best way. It's just, it's really nice to rewatch the episode, see it with fresh eyes. And you know, you get the giggles out. You're like, ha I remember that. <laughs> or, or you're like, ha I don't remember that. Yeah. So you get... You get two things. You, you you relearn why you love it, and then you find new reasons to love it. You're living that nostalgia. Yeah. It's like one of our big plugs when we first started. Yeah, you got you to gotta love the nostalgia. I'm a fan of nostalgia. Yeah, it's true. Um, yeah, I mean, it was really good to like sit there and look at it from a different perspective and really kind of see how a lot of the lessons we talk about are stuff that I run into every day. Like, it's kind of funny sometimes we talk about a lesson and within that week I'm like, oh, wow, this is something we literally just talked about on the podcast. Yeah, um, I, I do that a lot where I'm like, I'm talking to someone and I was like, well, we actually just talked about this on the podcast and then I feel like I'm just plugging the podcast all the time. But I think it's just like what you're saying, you're always seeing those lessons pop up. Yeah, you need to keep those internal monologues in. Yeah. People think you're going to be bragging. Yeah, well- <laughs> We should brag. We should. All of you, all of you out there, should brag. You'd be like, "Whoa, I heard this on the podcast the other day, and I learned so much." And blah 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 blah. And brag to your friends and how they're not being educated. Yep. <laughs> SpongeBob. It's just it's really cool. I mean, like, I think it's really easy with shows like sitcoms and like How I Met Your Mother, or Frasier, or Seinfeld to be, look at those and be like, "Oh, these are life lessons that are applicable to me as a young adult or whatever, or as an adult now, because those are adults. Those are humans playing out." real life situations but i think it's cool to look at a cartoon and see that it's doing the exact same thing and like maybe if kids were a little bit more open-minded like they pick up those lessons too instead of just being like a big joke and like for parents who are really apprehensive against certain cartoons i think they need to be a little bit more open-minded too to see that it is just trying to teach their kids and the parents a little bit more about life which is really cool to see yeah like i say it all the time that 
adults are writing the show. Yeah. And adults think this is a good idea when they put it into the show. Mm-hmm. So it's got to at least clear whatever the writer's room is, how many people there are in there, and all those opinions and everything, and hopefully get it past the network and everything like that. So all those components come together and just ignoring that just because it's a kid's show. Cause I think you can do this with a lot of shows. I, I honestly think that we could talk about, like I could talk about Avatar The Last Airbender, like no other about like deeper me- themes and meanings and stuff like that. But I think the shows that get overlooked are the sillier ones. Yeah. The ones that you just kind of like, Oh, this is just for fun, like spectacle type situation. Well, it's really easy to look overlook it when your main character is like a goofball like a sponge like right no one really will look at spongebob and be like oh this i'm gonna take this seriously as an actual dude like going through life lessons they're just like adults will see it as just this goofy sponge for kids like even the rating for like young seven for tv a lot of adults are gonna not are gonna look past that they're not gonna want to watch something that's rated that you know and sometimes i think that's when you learn the most it's true and I think it's really cool to see that. And it's what it also has been really cool doing the podcast is like listening to people text me or comment or like send us emails or review and saying that same thing. They're like, you know, I didn't really think about that. And now that you mentioned it through SpongeBob, like I've applied that to my life or like it's a really cool lesson to learn. And I was like, that's actually really cool. And that's like made me feel better about doing this, you know? Yeah, it's it's very inspiring when you get like a nice little text or email or comment and people are just like really, really like, what we're doing. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of cool talking to you every once in a while. It's fine. Mm, I wish I could say the same. Thanks. <laughs> Act two. Memory Man and Barnacle Boy Part Two. Ooh. Pretty exciting. We get to see the superheroes again. All right. So we joined SpongeBob watching the new adventures of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy while eating his Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy Grand Flakes. He even gets like a nice little prize in the cereal, which is like dentures, which I thought was kind of cool, I guess. And at the end of the episode, they announced that they have picked a winner for this prize, that they're, the mystery prize. The announcer announces it's Spring Boob Squire Pin. Remember, remember that? Oh, oh, yeah, from the beginning of this oh, yeah. episode? Yeah, there you go. I remember that. <laughs> for making a life-size Krabby Patty mannequins of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. But SpongeBob calls him out. He's like, that's exactly the same thing I did. I can't believe this Squire Boobs, uh, Spring Boob Squire <laughs> Pin stole my idea. And the announcer's like, oh, sorry, slight error in, pronoun- in pronunciation. It's actually SpongeBob SquarePants. And the mystery prize ends up being the conch signal, which in the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy lore was able to summon them to help fight crime. So he blows it, and we see our heroes at the Shandy Shoal hear the conch signal, and then they go down into their mystery, like, basically bat cave situation for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, and they get into the um, invisible boatmobile and go over to SpongeBob's house. There, they explain to SpongeBob, like, you can't just blow the conch signal for no reason. They ha- you know, this is meant to fight crime. You can't just, like, abuse this responsibility and this power. So later on, we see Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy about to take a shower, and they hear the conch signal blow. And it turns out that SpongeBob is, like, on the floor of his house. They think that he has died and all this other stuff. And all he needed was the simple favor of opening a mayonnaise jar. Barnacle Boy gets pissed off, but Mermaid Man's like, all right, you know what? I feel sympathy. Like, you really like us. Clearly, we are your heroes, so why don't you come hang out with us for a day and, like, drive around in the boatmobile with us? SpongeBob dons this, like, weird sidekick superhero gear that he puts on. And he starts going around. They see the Atomic Flounder, who is now retired and in business attire, coming home from work. And they're like, oh, he might, you know, crack at any moment. And the next thing we see is SpongeBob on top of him, like, tackling him. The Atomic Flounder gets pissed and um, uses his power to basically explode Barnacle Boy's head. SpongeBob continues to be kind of a nuisance throughout the episode, just annoying both Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. And so they get to the diner where they're starting to talk. Um, they send SpongeBob to go find their theme on the jukebox. SpongeBob goes, realizes he can't find it, goes back to them, is like, hey, like I can't find it, keep looking. And they decide to ditch SpongeBob. So they go outside, get in the invisible boatmobile, and their one of their arch nemesis shows up, the dirty bubble, and is ready to attack them. When SpongeBob comes out, he's like, Oh my gosh, it's the dirty bubble. You're my favorite villain. Can I please get an autograph? He pulls out a pencil and the dirty bubble starts freaking out. He's like, get that point away from me. And SpongeBob ends up stabbing the dirty bubble and popping him. Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy celebrate, calling him a hero and how wonderful it is. And the episode ends with them driving off in the distance, singing the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy themed of Jingle Bells that we've heard like the Batman parody of. 
celebrating the murder of the dirty bubble. Yeah, celebrating the murder of <laughs> an arch nemesis. I don't. I don't want that to go over anyone's <laughs> head. SpongeBob straight up. He stabbed. He stabbed <laughs> the dirty bubble right out of existence. Pop. I think it's kind of funny in this episode that we really, really get knocked over the head how much of a spoof Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy are of um, Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Like we saw it the first time, they do kind of mention it with like the pow and the everything, like those little flash um, actions that happen in those episodes in uh, the old adventures of Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. But here they're even seeing that. Jingle Bells parody, which I've heard so many times growing up. Sing it for me. Um, the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy version. Both uh, sing me. <laughs> no, sing me the Batman version. Jingle Bells, Batman smells. Robin laid an egg. Um, the Batmobile lost a will, and Joker got away. Hey, nice. Yeah, nice. Straight killing from the it. dome, killing it. I'll cut it closer so it sounds like you remembered. Remembered it, it didn't take a break between. <laughs> um. What I loved was the very beginning of the episode where, first of all, toys and cereal, I don't think that's a thing anymore, which is very sad. I guess that's true. I guess I don't really think about that. I looked at a cereal box and be like, there's a prize inside. Yeah, I mean, like, the prizes got lamer and lamer. Like, now, I think back then, the lamest prize I could think of is they give you, like, a little plastic spoon. Yeah. And I was like, why do plastic I need Plastic spoon change colors, though. It's true. in your milk. That's kind of cool. I guess that, that is pretty cool. I would take a... a an adult version sized of that. They were basically just like crappy um, Happy Meal toys or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I do like that they gave out Barnacle Boy, uh, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy breakfast biters. Yeah. (laughs) They're just dentures to eat cereal. (laughs) Um, Also, if you pay really close attention to the title cards this time around and like the production value of the Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy show, I think it's really hilarious because, like, the title cards say, like, prop, cardboard, lame, instead of, like, pow or, like, <laughs> anything, like, in- impressive. Mm-hmm. And it just goes to show you that, you know, this does take place after the first episode. It is part two in the title. But that you see that their show, even though it's back, it's definitely not. It's not any better quality than yeah. it was. No, it's probably worse quality. It's yeah, like 100%. even campier. Even like when they tried to like, they're doing their superhero pose, they're like, they crack their backs like, to the chiropractor, away. <laughs> it's like you're literally just watching two old people like in their adventures every day. Honestly, that was the first lesson is treat yourself to a chiropractor visit. I hear they're very, very good for you. They are. Really, you don't realize how much pain your back is in until you go to a chiropractor and they pop you like, wow, what a world of difference. <laughs> I don't want that because then I feel like I'll be addicted. Yeah, that's how we talked about the first half, so I don't want that. Yeah. (laughs) I do like the villains that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy have acquired over the years that Mm. the Atomic Flounder, the Sinister Slug, the Jumbo Shrimp. Uh, One of the fun facts that I saw was they think that the Atomic Flounder is the only villain on SpongeBob that we see Mm. that actually aged. Oh. Because we do see Man Ray, the Dirty, Dirty Bubble, Bubble, yeah, and uh, I think there's some other people too. There's another one. There's yeah. a third that I can't remember who it is. I can't remember off the top of my head, but that Atomic Flounder is the only one that's actually completely gotten old. But it brings me to one thing that I have a bone to pick: is old people if they committed a crime in the past, they got to do the time, even if they didn't get caught until they were old. Yeah, I'm tired of old people getting away with, and I'm specifically referencing uh, the white lady who talked, who basically set up Emmett Till to get killed. So she's not in jail. She deserves to be. I don't care if she's 90 and she only lives another year in jail. Got to do the time. Yeah. So I mean, that's I my this... that's my soapbox. Yeah. I yeah. mean, in a way, like. Going that long and living with all that regret, knowing that you like got someone killed, like isn't there regret though? She mean she wouldn't have admitted to it later on. I don't think if there was regret. Um, I don't think so. Maybe I don't know. That that I'd for like me that's too optimistic because if I feel like if someone actually regretted something, they would have said something a lot sooner. No, nah, not if they're scared. I don't know. I think that there's a lot of things to be said. Like people just get really like, especially when situations blow up like that. I don't know if she really meant it to blow up that she probably did i mean yeah she's a racist so she probably didn't mean it to blow up but she didn't like realize the weight of her actions and it's really hard to admit to something that like you got someone killed 
And so she had to live with that fact for the rest of her life. And then the fact that she didn't admit it until she was older, like basically almost dead, I don't think she's doing to clear conscience. Conscience, I think it's just like something that's been weighing on her for a while. Well, she should weigh on it in jail. In jail, yes, hundred yep. percent. Cool. Good. Agree. <laughs> on a lighter note, another fun fact that I saw was that the conch signal is a reference to the conch trumpet used by Triton in Greek mythology, also a reference to the bat signal. So you're talking about that Batman, Robin, shared vibe going on. So it's even in the conch signal, you know? Yeah, there you go. And another really cool thing is like when Mary Man like falls forward, he's like, I need to answer the clarion call, which is a call to action. So I thought that was a very educational fun fact. Nice. Um, it's also the first appearance of the Mermelayer, which we all know is really cool. But the thing that I wanted to bring up is, do you think the Mermelayer has always been under the old folks' home? No, I think that was what I was going to bring up. I think they made a second one. You know, I think once SpongeBob brought them back into the life of crime fighting and stuff, that they built a second one underneath the old folks' home. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also want to note that I think Mermaid Man is a lot more aware and less senile in this episode than the last episode. Would you agree? I think so, yeah. But that goes to show, and that's something I've seen with, like, people as you get older, if you don't exercise or, like, exercise your mind, too, that is how you get more senile. And, like, that's like that's a big thing when you're going through Alzheimer's and, like, like going through becoming senile. Like, if you don't take care of your body or take care of your mind, like, makes it go faster. You, like, lose your mind. You lose your body much faster. So it's important, like, even at a younger age to start doing that, making sure that you're not just, like, wasting away. Like, yeah, I've read a lot of articles that it does show, like, promise in Alzheimer's patients and people with, like, you know, some type of mental, like, issues going on there that it is to keep your mind sharp to yeah. like do, do stuff puzzles like, like journal have stuff like that you know i don't know the science exists for a reason so like take advantage of that and like i know that people are like well what's the point of fighting if it's going to happen eventually but i think that's kind of selfish that's a really selfish way to look at it i mean you still have loved ones who really care for you so like the faster you go doesn't mean that it's any easier on them you know it makes probably is actually harder they want to see you healthy they want to see you happier mm-hmm. and uh another thing we were touching on like you know older people and even the superhero thing i thought it was really interesting when they were like how did you get that conch and they're like they don't tell us anything anymore mm-hmm. and for me that immediately brought up to mind um the thing that was going on with stan lee recently where um stan lee's you know famous comic book creator for those of you out there that don't know that. See him in every single Marvel movie. Basically. But he was going to through some type of like elder abuse because the people who were supposed to be like his guardians, because you know he's older and has other people to manage his money, basically like kept him in the dark and wasted all his money. Which I think is crazy that, you know, how old is this episode? But there's even like small things like, you know, Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy Aren't the sharp? Well, not the sharpest. They're not the youngest people. They're very old, Ain't so no they rely on chicken. other. Yeah. <laughs> on, uh, yeah. They, <laughs> they rely on other people. Yeah. And just the fact that their stuff is being auctioned off, and like this is a horn that summons them. Yeah, that actually works. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, maybe that's what they were like. Ah, eh, this doesn't do anything. Yeah. But um, I do like when the when SpongeBob summons them. He's like, oh no, he's been horribly disfigured. I just. I think it's kind of really sad, though. I mean, like, touching on that. Because mm-hmm. I think that happens with celebrities a lot. As they get older, they just... I don't know if you really ever escape that fan, like the fame of that. Like, you don't really get that rest, you know, unless, like, you take yourself completely away from the public. But even then, then they just make a, like, e-true Hollywood story about how you just disappeared and, like, gave up your career. But it's not that. I think it's you spend so much time in, like, the spotlight of, like, the public that you need that time away. And I- then... I also find the opposite where you you got so used to your limelight in the public mm-hmm. that when you leave it, you miss it. And I think that's what I see with Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy. Well, more with Mermaid Man. I think Barnacle Boy is what you're talking about where he's like, I just want to be old and yeah. live my life. Where Mermaid Man's like, oh, I want to relive the glory days because everyone knew me. And, and you, I think you see it so quickly because SpongeBob, he has such a soft spot for SpongeBob. Yeah. Which uh, brings me to another lesson is to that mentorship mentorship is like extremely important. And I think that 
this episode is a good example of a lot of things. So, you know, the fact that Mermaid Man is willing to mentor SpongeBob and sees that SpongeBob has um, merit, and even when he talks about um, the youth of the youth can be the hero of tomorrow or the villain mm-hmm. of tomorrow. <laughs> Again, it's like a, a he says it in a lighthearted way, but it's true. Like if Mermaid Man just like hey screw you and just walks away. Then that leaves SpongeBob to have a lot of potential to go to do wrong, and he jumps on that mentorship like bandwagon really quick. And then of course SpongeBob, very very eager to have a mentor, and I think it's very important that older people out there and younger people have a good mentor mentee relationship. You just need a role model. I think that's what it is. Like I think that a lot of people are like I can do my life without having a role model, but then how do you structure your life? How do you know what direction to go to? I think it's important that there is people out there that you can ask questions to, and that's what those role models are for, you know? Mm-hmm. So don't do yourself a disservice by saying that you, like, I'm better than having, that I don't need one, because eventually there'll be a life situation where you do. I mean, no one's perfect. So you ask the people who've gone through that. Yep. And you take their advice when they give it to you. Yeah. And I think it's also, like, when they decide to ditch him at the diner, don't take on a mentorship that you're not ready for. Because there's times where, you know, I think that I personally can reach out to people who are younger and then sometimes you realize that they don't need mentorship or sometimes that maybe you can't provide the mentorship that they need and then you kind of either have to adjust to that don't do what mermaid man did and it's like let's ditch him but i also think there's a flip side to that i think clinginess and i got a lesson for this episode is a clinginess destroys relationships and i Mm -hmm. think spongebob was very and people do that when with their heroes or role models like if you're too clingy or too like oh, you're so wonderful, everything's so great, and wanting to be around them all the time. Like, that pushes people away. They don't want to hang out with someone who's obsessing over them. They want a friend. They want someone who is a down-to-earth person. And, like, in more general sense, like, clinginess can destroy relationships. Like, if you have a friend who's, like, way too clingy or way too, like, talking to you way too much, like, you got to realize, like, there has to be space. There has to be boundaries. And we've talked about this in the past. Like, having that space, that boundary, no matter if it's a friend, a role model, whatever, is really important. For those relationships and i think spongebob i think learned that needed to learn that in this episode and i don't know if ditching him was the right way to do it mm-hmm. and then i uh the flip side with spongebob being so clingy i think when he's using the conch so crazy like he does he makes him open a mail lid do plumbing like grab a book and like a shoe shine and a bedtime story and like obviously it drives uh barnacle boy nuts and he takes it away from him but he's like uh spongebob was just like i need to I wanted to spend time with you. Yeah. And I think it's better to tell someone like, I want to spend time with you instead of just bugging them over and over and over again. Well, it's like abuse of power in that case. I mm-hmm. think that in it, like we are seeing SpongeBob abuse a very important power. Like they told him straight up, like this is meant to stop evil and stop like crime from happening. So don't do it otherwise. Or when you but actually, I, I also help. find that people can abuse friendship in that way. Yeah. Cause like, I understand there's people like, you can hang out with every single day because they're not doing stuff or other things like that. Or you, maybe you're not doing stuff and you can flood their phone with text messages. But like you said, with those boundaries, sometimes it's easier to send one text that says like, hey, I miss you. I wish we would hang out than to like bombard them with like mountains and mountains of affection where sometimes that can be overwhelming for some people. They don't right. want And that's, they, that's what I was getting to. Yeah. That SpongeBob had a better way. Of, he should have found a better way of doing it. I think he's seen it in the past I think even with the first time he met Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy, I think he just doesn't understand how to maintain those boundaries. I think that he has a really hard time as the most, like, as an optimistic and a very, like, happy person as he is, understanding that people need that space, you know? And I think it did take for Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy to, like, blow up at him to finally be like, oh, wait, you know, I'm all I wanted was just this friendship. All I wanted was to spend time with you. And a friendship should never get to the point where they have to blow up at you to tell you like hey you're too much i don't want this anymore there are subtle hints or there's sometimes not not even subtle hints that people do that you should just be aware of you know yeah have that have that situational awareness and not all of us are good at it some people are completely oblivious to a situation that they should just walk away from yeah or just like you know address at least and at, and some people you address it and they never they never come back mm-hmm. And sometimes that's better for you. Sometimes that's worse. It's just one of those things that you play it by ear and go with your gut, I think. Yeah. I do think that we saw another invention in this. Ooh. Yeah. When uh, SpongeBob wins the prize, 
the delivery boy is like there immediately, which I think is like a low key shout out to Amazon Prime and how fast <laughs> they get stuff there. <laughs> Amazon Prime now, it's yeah. like it's there. It's there. Although there is one thing that will always come faster than Amazon Prime, in my opinion. You? And that's Chinese. Ah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Roasted. No, Chinese takeout. Yes. <laughs> There's times where I'm like finished with the seamless order and boom. They're right there. They're there. They're calling you being like, we're on our way. Yeah. And I'm just like, okay, I'm by the door. What do I do? They just throw the food in my mouth. Um, Barnacle Boy Sulfur Vision. How do you kill someone with, how do you, what does that do? I I, I, it must burn, right? I guess, but is sulfur like a burny thing? I guess it starts. Yeah. Like yeah. there's sulfur in matches. Yeah. I think that's the idea. It's be like laser vision or something like that. Right? Or more aquatic. Aquatic. Yeah. The origami button in their invisible boat mobile. I don't understand why that exists. Also, uh, speaking of not understanding why it exists, Barnacle Boy is like, why did we make it invisible? Which makes me believe that they have the power to either create invisible objects, see invisible objects, which it doesn't make sense. Like you can, you know where everything is on the dashboard, but you don't know where it is. Yeah, and. So that's why I don't believe it's like maybe once they're like sitting down, it's like they get like the situational like memory, like they're the muscle memory, muscle memory. Like I'm in the front seat, so I know where all this is at. You know. Also, what do you think they use the origami button? I don't. I don't know. I think it's just like one of those a gag camouflage. Camouflage, maybe. Like let's become a paper crane in the middle of nowhere. SpongeBob's a little crazy this episode. He straight up murders the dirty bubble, and then he like basically beats up an old man. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, I got you, old man. <laughs> and I, I, we do see that as a theme. There's, there's another episode where they beat up old man Jenkins. Yeah. So, some it's elder abuse up. going on in this in in SpongeBob. Going way too overboard with this. Mm, no, nope, yeah. it's too too much. Um, I thought it was funny because in the first part of this episode, we saw um Mr. Krabs talked about mayonnaise being um smell of mayonnaise being the only thing you smell, and then SpongeBob wants them to open a mayonnaise jar. Like mayonnaise is a constant theme that we see in Here's SpongeBob a, for some reason. It's a good condiment, I guess, in this in this episode. It's all they use. I yeah. mean, not this episode, this in this, this series, series. Yeah, they don't really talk about any other condiment except for mayonnaise. Yeah, I wonder why that is. I don't know. Maybe they've heard about our podcast and that, like from the future. They're like, all right, let's promote this. <laughs> yeah, in the it's like a a time paradox. Mm-hmm. They went in the future, saw, <laughs> listened to our podcast went back and then inserted it into the show. I had a question. Yes. So the way that SpongeBob treats the superheroes are just doing basic tasks and stuff, right? We've seen in other cartoon stuff, like the mayor of Townsville always calls the Powerpuff Girls to like open his pickle jar. So do you think that if superheroes really existed, that there would be circumstances of we just as normies like abuse their power to do simple tasks? I don't think that would be an actual issue if they have legitimate superpowers. Like, I'm talking about super strength, laser vision, flight. I think what's more likely is like a more X-Men style where we are going to try to do weird experiments on them and try to figure out how their powers work. And that's why I don't foresee anything like that. That or, you know, the more like a villain situation where they would be like, "Uh, no, I'm not going to open your pickle jar and then throw pickles at you at 100 miles an hour yeah so i don't i, just see, I like, don't foresee that being a thing and like even with a really super nice superhero mm. i think like the i think they would do it as like a passing by thing like you know that classic like save a cat from the tree while you're stopping like a robbery like do it as like a side thing so you were saying that if you didn't have like a super strong friend you wouldn't just like bribe them to come over to help you like move furniture or anything that's the difference. That's my friend. No, I'm that's ta- you taking advantage of a superhero with their power. That's, that's a I'm friend, though. But because, like, okay, if but I said Josh, so, but so, but Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy in this case could have been friends with SpongeBob. And that's what he's saying. He's like establishing this friendship. He brought them back into the game, so he had a relationship with them. And the same thing with the Mayor of Townsville and Powerpuff Girls. Like, he has a hotline, so he calls them. Like, they're little girls that come in to like they hang out. It's more like transactional of like a relationship, though. Like. I would consider it different. I was like, hey, Josh, please help me move this couch. I'll buy you like a case of beer. Like there's still a transaction going on, but it's like I'm asking for a favor. I'm not telling you, hey, read me a bedtime story (laughs) so that way I can go to sleep. I guess I never felt like it was like in these circumstances where they're taking advantage of the superheroes. It's not like you're doing this and that's it. It's like I felt like maybe it was more of like a friend asking a friend for a favor. 
that's why that's what I mean. Like if we had superheroes like a custom thing, like would you just take advantage of them? Like, no, they should be fighting crime instead of helping you move furniture. I mean, I think they would be if I was a superhero, I would be too busy to help out people like that mm-hmm. to do stuff like that. But only if I was like a superhero with legitimate power that could actually help the world. Yeah. Like if if my superpower is like, I don't know, doing something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Changing red lights to green lights. Yeah, so something like <laughs> being able to sneeze really in succession with yeah. my eyes open or yeah. something. I can sneeze with my eyes open. That's my superpower. <laughs> then I don't think, uh, I think I could use that for others' oh, <laughs> entertainment. I'd just show up at like a carnival, sneeze, and they're like, wow, I'll do it again. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But uh, no, I don't think in real life, unless like a superhero is a complete pushover, that that would happen because I again I just go back to if I had a superpower and someone was pissing me off that way they wouldn't be able to to deal with it I'd be like no what are they gonna do beat me up oh sorry I threw you into the moon you know into the moon into the moon right through the moon <laughs> do you think that Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy paid the bill before ditching Spongebob at that diner definitely not I think they saw a younger person with probably more money at the time um, I don't know what kind of residues they're getting from. <laughs> what kind of paymate superheroes get. Yeah, but I think they just bailed. I think they were like, he's got this. And so do you think that's of them to do, or do you think that like was justified in the situation? I always feel like it in a group situation, everyone should split the bill evenly. So mm-hmm. I definitely think it was But I also feel like depending on how the vibe is going, Usually it's the older person that pays for it. That's what I think is kind of weird because usually it's the younger person that's like, mm, please pay for this. Yeah. You invited me to this fancy place. I can also see like they were just wanted to get the hell out of there. Like I think they had, like I think even to the fact that Mermaid Man like did give SpongeBob a chance and like took him out and whatever. And they're like to the point where he's like, nah, we got to get out of here. Like this is too much. <laughs> he's like, I am. This is our way out. We got to get out. <laughs> yeah, because he gave him a full day and he's just like, what are we going to do tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> what I do like is spongebob's constant vigilance that he went to the jukebox up 15 plus times and found their theme song but the dance mix version (laughs) and i think it's really interesting because um it's not very often anymore that you see dance mixes of songs i don't think i think that's a very like old school i feel like i saw a lot more like on LimeWire, when LimeWire was the thing, when you would type in a song, it's like, here is this crappy well, like, remix. Yeah, in the, like, the 90s or the early 2000s, yeah. where it's just like, oh, like I have this version, but it's the dance version, the dance mix version. I just think that we're not part of the big club scenes. I feel like if we were club scenes, we hear it more. Yeah, maybe. Because I definitely heard like actor warm-ups, like, where there's like weird dance versions of songs I've heard on the radio. I'm like, oh, where did this come from? I'm like, oh, I don't go to the clubs. I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I don't. I don't go to the the youths clubs. The youths, <laughs> but no, I I do think that dance mixes are a dying art. Yeah, let's bring them back. Bring them back, because uh, I think now I think they're specific to DJs. Like I feel like DJs find like or make their own dance mix. Yeah, I could be wrong. There yeah. might be a whole plethora of dance mixes I'm missing out. <laughs> right, and I think it's just like it depends on what you listen to on the radio. I think we all a lot of us don't listen to radio as much anymore, especially if you live in a big city. Like yep. you don't have your phone. You have Spotify or Apple Music or Pandora, whatever you listen to, a lot of times like my go, I don't have a go-to station. It's like party remix, right? If I'm just <laughs> yeah. traveling on this, like on a train. I'm not listening to like big pumped-up music. Like depend, I'm not. That's not me. So, see, I'm, sure I'm listening to there. dance music 24/7. See, then why don't you know that there's dance remixes out there? Because they stopped doing them. That's what I'm <laughs> okay, saying. They gotta well, bring that. them back. <laughs> I think we should talk about the murder of the Dirty Bubble. Like, go into like detail. Like, why is it okay that he murdered this person? Do you okay? Let's let's first start at the beginning. Do you think he intentionally murdered him? I think it was a Wizard of Oz situation. Like when Dorothy throws water on the Wicked Witch and doesn't mean to kill her, she was just trying to help the Scarecrow. I think mm-hmm. it's kind of like something like that, not as like heroic, but more of like an accident manslaughter type situation going on. Okay, so now we ruled it instead of a murder, a manslaughter. It's still murder, <laughs> but a manslaughter is like, isn't it legally defined as like you killed someone, but. By accident. Yes. How do you feel? Do you think it was intentional? I think it was 100% intentional. Okay. I think SpongeBob <laughs> knew exactly what he was doing. Because was, I guess that was an awfully was, sharp pencil. He was going pencil first, for one. And not listening to the dirty bubble, like, please get away, that, get that point away from me. Yeah. But also, the dirty bubble could have literally just, what, threw, threw them up? Or how do you- Spit how, them out? Yeah. How does he get them 
Because he was like, I'm holding you in with surface tension. Awesome surface tension. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. It is it is a weird situation. Like, why couldn't he just poop him out? Yeah. And like, like went away. But nope. Nope. He's at his his reign has ended. His reign of terror. Because it's okay if you're a superhero or a sidekick for a day with a superhero to like stab someone with a pencil and get away with it. What do you think about that? The, the whole fact that a superhero, like they're kind of outside of the law, they're in that vigilante stuff. He like straight up murdered someone and got away with it. I think that's always like the case with superheroes. It's really, really weird, and that's what we see. I, I think the Marvel movies actually have been doing a very good job about touching base on that and being mm-hmm. like, how do superheroes or like vigilantes like work outside of the law and like how is that acceptable or okay and like i think that more again like the Mar- marvel movies recently and even like the christopher nolan uh batman movies did a good job of being like it's not at some point it's not like there is law for a reason if you start taking it into your own hands like then what stops anyone else from doing it you know and people who aren't as qualified so like for superheroes it's kind of reckless because you're going to inspire these normies to like do the same thing and they're not qualified to do it they're just going to get hurt Mm-hmm. No, so I think that for me, like, yeah, use your powers for good, but maybe work within the law of some sort. Like, find somehow to work with the government or whatever law agency or law enforcement agency there is. Don't just go out. That's here also been another like point of contention in like comic books, yeah. especially like well, usually it's with Superman. That Superman has always kind of like held the American way. Yeah, but if you know anything about America, it's not always the best <laughs> the way. Best, yeah. So it's, it's a way, it's hard. but not the best way. Uh, again, like a moral thing, like superheroes have all this power, but they also have all this responsibility. Yeah. Great power. <laughs> Thank you, Spider-Man. Uncle Ben. Uncle Ben, RIPs. RIPs up there with the dirty Which bubble. Which 100% is all this was about. It was like this whole conch thing was 100% just a reference to that. <laughs> yeah. Uncle Ben. It's all, uh, this. everything's about Uncle Ben. Yeah. <laughs> we do know for a fact in the future episodes, I don't know if future in the timeline, that the like dirty bubble comes back. Yeah. So maybe he's got regenerative powers. Maybe yeah. he starts out like a small bubble and gets bigger and bigger and then he becomes. Or maybe he's just like, the whole theory of that he's just another version of the dirty bubble just reborn again and all it takes is some dirt to get in the bubble and that's how you get the dirty bubble maybe or maybe there's a bigger thing maybe there's someone creating more dirty bubbles out there oh yeah maybe they're all just alternate timelines who knows they're all just going insane <laughs> we'll just ponder that think about it big lesson our final big lesson for season one yeah our season finale big lesson Ooh. Josh Yes. I really f***ed you, o- <laughs> you over. You 100% f***ed me over this week. I f***ed up Josh's big lesson because I've said it at both versions. He's like, I'm going to redo it, and I f- again. Yeah. So uh, what did you finally come up with? So in, I'm just going to go for it. The like, seconds yeah, before it's this. Fine. <laughs> it's this really just this idea, and I think this the big theme throughout both of these is like there's a lot of experience that our wisdom that comes from experience and that plays into the whole like we talked about the elders like listen to your elders they have experience you know mermaid the whole mentorship mentorship role model thing i think that's what we see a lot is that people wonder like where does wisdom come from or how people become wise i think it just it does come from experience it comes from people learning from mistakes and learning from um crap that they've gone through you know and i think for us to not take advantage of that is kind of silly um, but I think there's a flip side to that too. It's just it's hard sometimes to learn from that experience or learn from those people that have that wisdom if they don't present it in a way that is more giving and more welcoming. Because I think a lot of people that see themselves as a role model or like important or have this wisdom like can be really big jerks about it. I think instead of being nice and like open to, it can be condescending. Condescending, yeah. I think that's really tough. I think it's really tough that we as young folk like want to find role models but we can't look up to these old people who are really rude and mean like why would i want to be like that person if it, if that if that wisdom and experience comes makes me turn into that why would i want to do that you know or even like the trouble i find is like sometimes there's people i look up to but their moral ideals aren't good yeah like it's like really like especially like when now with like hot button topics like gay marriage and like you know transgender rights and like stuff like that it's like a lot of these older people never dealt with that 
And so they don't know how to navigate that. Yeah. They don't have the wisdom for that. Yeah. Right. And I think it's something to say about how you were saying with experience that not all experience is gained by age alone. Mm-hmm. Like some of it can be like, I feel like a lot of the things that I've learned and any of the wisdom, quote unquote, that I might have comes from um, learning, not learning from others' experiences from what they've told me, but just viewing other people and seeing how they experience life and helping shape my own views on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's what I think it's really important to understand wisdom when you see it, though, you know, I mean, and that's a thing, like, we don't need, always need to be from your elders. What I did think that was cool about this episode, though, is that we've seen throughout this season, and you know, we've talked about a lot, is how young people, like, have a lot to learn from SpongeBob as a youth, right? Mm-hmm. And I think with this episode, kind of flipped that around, and, like, we do see a lot more elders, like, presenting wisdom in a way that SpongeBob wasn't receptive to, and how he, like, got himself in crappy situations in both episodes, like getting hooked on the hook and like listening to the like idiot with the idiot wisdom of Patrick, which is a circumstance there. He thought Patrick had this wisdom, but he doesn't, you know, it's really important for you to see when people have actual advice and wisdom to give you and worthwhile, wisdom. worthwhile. Yeah. Solid. So, there you go. Not bad for something you, you had to cook up just seconds before <laughs> saying <laughs> good job. Thank you. What's yours? Let's hear it. My golden one that you did not touch at all throughout this whole thing. No, it's not that great. Probably it's okay. That good. I like it. I like it. Well, if you like it, that's all that matters. That's yeah. So let's hear it. I don't care about other people's opinions. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay. I don't care. <laughs> Everyone's opinion. Um, mine is careful with overindulging, because through both episodes, especially in the beginning, you see that, you know, SpongeBob tried something dangerous and he just kept going and going and going for it. And you touched on it with the whole addiction um, kind of analogy, how, you know, some people, they try a drug and they're stuck with it or they try any habit actually really, because anything can be addictive. Same thing with uh, the second half of the episode is, you know, SpongeBob overindulged in kind of like the company that he was, that he was so thirsty for, I guess, for lack of a Thirsty is a good way to say it. Yeah, super thirsty for that he, you know, wanted them to do him favors. So he overindulged on that. And then he just wanted to spend more time with them. He overindulged on that. Because yeah. at the very end of the day, he could have been like, like, thank you so much for this day. We got to do it again sometime and let someone else have their yeah. their boundary, set their boundary. Be like, oh, yeah, we'll do it. Let's do it again tomorrow. Or let's do it again next week or every year, or whatever you want to do. And like I said, with both halves, like, I saw kind of that where it's like good and bad things can be can again just be overdone yeah i think everything comes in moderation and it's really important to remember that you know like you could really like sugar like to eat cake and stuff but you can get really sick from doing that you know and the same thing with like you can over exercise you can overwork you can there's a lot of things that you can overdo in your life and i think it's really should be better for you to really take a look about how you're doing that how are you might be overindulging in something that you're doing and if that's the company and people if you're trying to put too much pressure on hanging out with certain friends and they're not putting the same effort forward and maybe because that you're being a little too clingy, you know? Or it's that, you know, that they need some space. Because, like, again, like, what you need to be indulged in, if that's a certain kind of energy, isn't the same that someone else might need, you know? So it's important to kind of keep that in mind. This segues perfectly into the very end of our episode, Josh. This is why my lesson was so much better than yours. All right. Please explain. Because in keeping with the theme of not overindulging, we have a special announcement. That special announcement is that since we finished season one, we are completely retiring forever. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Just (laughs) kidding. No, what we are going to do, because we don't want to give the haters the satisfaction of thinking that we quit, because we got a lot of episodes to go through. We do. Um, We are going to take a little break, because right now it is September. Holidays are coming up. Josh just moved to the city, and we're all like, lots of crazy stuff is happening. But we're also going to be releasing bonus episodes like... Like we're going to start, we're going to discuss the SpongeBob musical, which topically is closing this week. So we're catching it just in time. We'll discuss it and see all the lessons and see what we can get out of it. Mm -hmm. And we'll also be looking at an overview of the themes and everything that we learned from season one and kind of just like break it down and see what we 
truly have learned from the whole season. From the whole season, yeah. Maybe something crazy will will come up with we'll a really up. big big lesson. Yeah, I mean it's been twenty weeks, so maybe there's something we didn't catch that going back, maybe we will catch. Mm-hmm. And then just a lot of other little bonus episodes that we have ideas for, but look out look out for them once the holidays are over. New Year starts. We'll kick right back in with our weekly episode because by then you guys will be you'll miss us so much, and we don't want to do that to you. You want it back? Yeah. Kind of like an addiction. Just and if, kidding. And no. if you're interested in wanting to discuss SpongeBob, I think one of our ideas might be like bringing some people on just to like have oh, yeah. a round panel discussion. So if you're interested and really have a lot to say about some of the lessons we've talked about or just have a lot of like SpongeBob wisdom you want to talk about, you want to just debate, debate, like reach out and we maybe we'll have a bonus episode where we'll have a, a round panel with some of you guys. Yeah. Good old classic round table status. Yeah. So if this is the future. Just, you know, hop over to those special bonus episodes that we have. But since right now we're in the present and hopefully you're listening to this in the present, you just got to stay vigilant. And that's the only way you can do that is by visiting our website at ismainasapodcast.com or follow us on social media, ismainasapodcast on Facebook and Instagram. And of course, ismayoapodcast on Twitter. And then once the new year starts, we'll be back. It'll just be week after week of wonderful season two content and... You guys will be like, wow, I missed Omar I missed and Josh this. so much. <laughs> but again, like, thank you so much for joining us on this first season. I know some of it might have been a little rough as we we're learning as we we're going. But like, it was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, and tons really, of fun. really appreciate you guys like joining in on us. Like, this part of the experience is sharing this with all of you and learning from all of you, too. Because again, like, there's been a couple of cases where we've gotten comments and texts and stuff that have really like kind of guided us on this journey. So, I got teary died with some of them. Yeah. I was like, oh, really? <laughs> and not like in a sarcastic way I just actually um, when he starts crying that's actually how he sounds I just sound sarcastic yeah but yeah it was just a really wonderful season one and I'm really looking forward to the other seasons and just you know keep going and chugging and doing whatever we're doing and just because the season one's done doesn't mean that you can't let us know how you feel about our past episodes so if you come or if you're listening like in the future and you're catching up Go ahead and shoot us a text about this episode, and we'll look back and we can discuss it if we want, if we have time. Or be like, look know. how far we've come. There's already things that Josh and I are going to switch for season two, and it's only, I think, only going to improve. Yeah, but yeah, just like continue to reach out, continue to be a part of the community that we're trying to build here, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Great season one. Like Josh was saying, share with the community, share with your friends, share with your enemies. They have plenty of time to catch up now since they had a little bit of a break. And until then, Josh, Josh and I are just going to leave you with a good old sailor's promise. Yo-ho, 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 near the, the hooks, hooks I'll never go. go. Ah, Mother, Mother of Pearl, fire on the poop deck. deck.